0: For this episode, I'm joined by candidate Tom Strand. Tom is currently the president of the Colorado Springs City Council and has served two terms in an at-large seat for a total of eight years. Prior to serving on City Council, Tom was elected to the School District 11 Board of Education, where he served as vice president and later president of the board. Tom is a retired military officer serving more than 30 years in the United States Air Force. He served as the senior lawyer and commandant of the Judge Advocate General School in Montgomery, Alabama. Tom serves as a business mentor with the Colorado Springs Service Corps of Retired Executives and as a facilitator for the Food for Thought organization. He's also the past treasurer of the Trails and Open Space Coalition and past chairman of the Colorado Springs Human Relations Commission. I hope you enjoy the episode. Tom, thanks for being here this afternoon.
1: You're welcome, Kyle. It's my pleasure.
0: Good. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Thanks. Really kind of excited for our conversation this afternoon. The uh, you know I mean obviously as you're aware it's a pretty crowded field in the mayoral race this year and so yeah I'm trying to think when we had the first strong mayor uh, uh, 2011
1: with uh, um, um,
0: when Steve Bach was Steve elected. Bach
1: was running and I think there were you know probably ten that were in it at least at that you know, that number back then in 2011 so and when Mayor Southers ran the first time I think there was at least eight. Yeah, yeah, I think so, you're right. But I think, we got 12. We got an even cooked dozen here.
0: I want to start with, so you've been on council now for the last eight years. Eight years. Um, and obviously that means you're term limited and everything. And to start with, i just kind of like to know why you're running for mayor and why you feel like you're the best person for the position.
1: Sure. You know, prior to being on city council, I spent five years on District 11 school board and ended up as the president of the District 11 School Board, and then saw some issues that I thought with our first strong mayor and our city council that were concerning. They didn't seem to be on the same page. And so back in 2015, I ran for, uh, and met you know, the, the current mayor, uh, Mr. Uh, um, Southers, uh, for the first time, and, and decided that I thought I could make a difference in terms of the collaboration between the executive branch and the legislative branch. And I really felt there was a lot to be done uh, that we could do with uh, our infrastructure, uh, potholes, our streets, our curbs and gutters, and jobs for young people that were graduating from Palmer and Doherty uh, that had to go outside of the city to get good jobs. So uh, that's why I ran uh, in 2015 and then ran again in 2019 and was fortunate enough to get elected both times as an at-large city council member covering 200 square miles of our city and You know, roughly 500,000 people now living in the city. What I have learned in the last eight years is how to work, I I think, collaboratively with the county commissioners, uh, with uh, our public safety people, police and fire and uh, emergency management people. I know all of the directors uh, in the 12 different directorships within the city. Uh, You know, so the spin up for me would be minimal. And I think I know how to work with city council. I have had all four leadership positions in my eight years. I started out in 2015 as the uh, as the vice chair of utilities, and then went into being the chair of utilities when we hired uh, Mr. Benjamin, who just yep. resigned and left in November. Uh, so I was the vice chair and chair. Then I became the pro tem uh, when I was reelected in 2019 to Richard Scorman, And then two years ago, I became the president of council. So I've had all four leadership positions. Uh, in both the utilities and city council. And uh, I just think I'm in the position now uh, where I can make the biggest contribution to the city with what I've learned uh, and how I can uh, be effective pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. You have a pretty uh, extensive background, otherwise, too. I mean, obviously, retired military. What do you feel like out of your career, whether it's political or non political, what's like one of your accomplishments that you're most proud of? Well, I was a
1: judge advocate in the United States Air Force uh, for 30 years. Uh, They finally kicked me out. If you don't make general uh, in the military, by the time you hit 30 years, they kick you out. Uh, And uh, my last job was commandant of the JAG and paralegal school. So for three years, I trained all JAGs and paralegals in the Air Force and some Army and Marine Corps, uh, JAGs and paralegals in Montgomery, Alabama at Maxwell Air Force Base. Uh, You know, during my 30-year career, I ran seven offices as the staff judge advocate, as as the leader. Uh, And so what I learned from that career, I think, is how to work with all—you talk about a diverse population. Uh, I I remember uh, when I got on the District 11 school board, and Willie Brazell was one of the members of the District 11 school board, he asked me a question uh, when they appointed me initially— uh, I, I ran for election in 2017, and uh, no, in in 2007, and uh, I, I said, what kind of shocked me about coming back to Colorado Springs, because it was my first assignment in 1975. Pete Field uh, was how undiverse the community seemed. It seemed very Caucasian, yeah. and 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 a little bit on the senior age. Although now I'm told by Mayor Southers the average age in our city is 34. I find that a little hard to believe because all my friends are a lot older than that. (laughs) But I think what I learned in the Air Force, I had 17 PCS, Permanent Change of Station, moves in the Air Force uh, all around the world, spent 10 years overseas. And that opportunity allowed me to see a lot of different cultures uh, and a lot of different ways of of operating and running cities, whether it was, uh, you know, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh, or San Antonio, Texas uh, or, uh, up in New Jersey and, and uh, in, in Illinois. So I learned a lot from that 30 years. And, uh, I would have, would have, I would have wanted to stay in the Air Force, except they said at that point it was up or out. So <laughs> I was out.
0: Well, our benefit in, the, in our community then since you were.
1: Yeah. Moved back here in 2007, 2005, and then got involved with the district 11 in 2007.
0: Nice. In terms of the last eight years on council, Is there anything that you guys have accomplished or the city's accomplished that you were part of that you feel most proud of over those past eight years?
1: You know, I I think there are a number of things. When I started out to to the political world, I was really green and brand new. And so I got to learn a lot from Keith King, you know, who at that time had just come off of being president of city council and had been on the state Senate for I don't know how many terms, as many as he could do. And learned a lot from him in terms of how to run and operate meetings and how to set up different issues in land use uh, and, and in public safety. And then learned from Merv Bennett, who had been with the YMCA for years uh, and was the next president that I served with on city council. And then in came, you know, a guy by the name of Richard Scorman, uh, and learned so much from him about running small businesses and, and what it takes to kind of be, you know, that flexible where you can not only be employed but work on, you know, in city government at the same time. Probably the things that I'm most proud of as I think back are the success that we've had with 2C, uh, mm-hmm. which was a program that we had to add some sales tax uh, to already about seven and a half percent sales tax, and people don't like to pay a lot when yeah. they don't have to, especially on, you know, when they're in the grocery store or in the drugstore. And, uh, you know, we were able to come up with about $50 million a year uh, with 2C, and then we had 2C2 uh, so that we could work on our roads and our infrastructure, our bridges, our curbs, our gutters. Um, And then, you know, trying to look at what was best for the city in terms of land use, you know, what we could do with trying to figure out how we could do infill uh, in parts of the city, in the old North End, in old Colorado City, downtown, Um, And the connections that you have with the Chamber of Commerce and the connections, uh, and and, and I think it's really unique to have the opportunity to be dual-hatted, where you're not only on city council, but you're on the board of directors for utilities, now a $1.6 billion operation with four services. Um, When I was on active duty in the Air Force and stationed uh, in Hawaii, I did a lot of work in Japan and Alaska on power plants. Uh, legal issues that had to do with it, not engineering or mathematical, but legal issues that come up uh, with the EPA and things of that nature. So, you know, 2C, uh, I, I think uh, the other big thing for me was, was learning how much land use decisions are in terms of development plans and trying to, f- f- you know, fill our need for affordable housing, which I'll talk yeah. about later. So th- those are kind of the important things that, you know, I reflect on uh, we made a huge decision on banning Lewis Ranch to annex, banning Lewis Ranch, you know, 24,000, 25,000 acres. Yeah. Um, we made a decision, you know, with the Broadmoor in terms of what we were going to do with uh, the strawberry. strawberry fields. Yeah. And I, I thought there was a lot of controversy around that, and a lot of people thought we shouldn't do it. But it was property we weren't caring for as we needed to, and I think the Broadmoor has done a terrific job with it.
0: Yeah. So you've had a lot of leadership positions in your career, whether when you were in the military, utilities board, uh, city council, all of that. Right. How would you describe your leadership style?
1: You know, my leadership style is one, in, 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 and I'm getting a little frustrated now, you know, coming into the, the home stretch with utility, <laughs> I mean, with uh, city council. Is, is you try and surround yourself to the degree that you can. In the military, I was pretty much issued to staff. Yeah. You know, I didn't get to pick you or Ted, you <laughs> know, to, to, to work with me. Once in a rare while, I could have input in, in Washington, in the Pentagon, to do that. But you were issued to staff, and then what you, you learn is what people have got different kinds of skills. Uh, you know, some of us are more introverted. Some of us are more extroverted. I'm on mm-hmm. that side of the, the fence uh, some of us, you really need to make sure that you ask questions to so that you can learn what they're thinking about. Yep. So, I try and listen and learn as much as I can. Surround yourself with people that are dedicated, you know, may have a skill that you don't have. Maybe they're better in, in you know, re- reading people and, uh, and then making decisions. I don't have any problem making decisions once I feel I've had all the input that I possibly can. What I'm learning with city council is, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people will tell you they're going to do something and they don't, uh, <laughs> and sometimes uh, when you're trying to work through a meeting, we had a meeting recently that we started at 9 o'clock in the morning, and we finished it at 1 o'clock in the morning. It was a 17-hour meeting, and as much as I tried to control the tempo, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Uh, people had very strong opinions and issues and things they wanted to get off their chest, and you know, as the president, you're really the moderator. You yeah. You know, so uh, that's my leadership style: is to listen, learn, and then make a decision and stick with it. Okay.
0: Going into this, what are your top three issues that you want to focus on or you think are most important? Yeah, and they've
1: changed since I ran for council, which I talked about was, you know, collaboration between the council and, and the executive branch, the, new, the strong mayor position, uh, the, the issue of infrastructure within our community and city and jobs. Right now, it is public safety, public safety, public safety. <laughs> I want to make Colorado Spring the safest city in the United States. It currently is not. Uh, It has changed in the time that I've been here back from the 1970s to where we would have maybe a half a dozen homicides to last year we had about 56 homicides within our 200 square miles. That's unacceptable. We can't have that. The other thing is when you go on the highways here, whether it's 25 or any of the the arteries, uh, we lost about 54 people were killed You know, driving vehicles or, you know, or pedestrians or on bicycles in the last year. Unacceptable. It all deals with public safety and making Colorado Springs the safest city in the United States. And that's what I'm going to focus on totally. I have never missed, you know, in eight years, a police retirement or promotion. I don't know that anybody else can say that that's currently on council or was on before. I have never missed a fire department promotion or... Uh, retirement. Mm-hmm. So I'm very connected. Uh, I was involved in some regard uh, with uh, two of the police chiefs being selected and the current fire chief being selected. And uh, and I've learned a great deal about uh, emergency management since we've kind of consolidated the county and the city emergency management office with Jim Reed. Mm-hmm. So I know all of those people. I know their spouses. Uh, and their families. I know what they like to do when, you know, when they get some time away, whether it's yeah. hiking or fishing or playing golf. And so public safety is where, and I think all the candidates are going to say that, but, you know, I'm embedded in that. It's not just something that, you know, I, uh, I think is an important thing to tell the public that we need yeah. to take care of their well-being. I want ladies when they go, and I say that, and they go into parking garages to feel safe in that parking garage. If you at night are going to go to an ATM, I don't want you to feel like you've got to look over your shoulder, but you're going to be safe withdrawing money from your ATM. Uh, We currently, on a day-to-day basis, and I'll talk about CSPD first, we currently have about 750 sworn police officers on a daily basis. That's 150 less than what we need. And the problem is we can't get them, you know. A a lot of parents, uh, you know, if they sat down with their son or daughter, would maybe talk them out of becoming a police officer. Uh, It is not a profession today that is respected to the degree that it needs to be. We've had issues just recently, uh, you know, in Memphis uh, where, you know, we've raised the specter of police officers misbehaving, you know, or not behaving in the way that we think they should. And, and we have big segments of our community that don't trust police officers. And so it's an area that I would pour myself into. Uh, I want to see, uh, you know, we, we, we don't have enough motorcycle police officers that we need on the highways to control red lights and speeding and reckless driving. Uh, I would like to see more police officers, what I call, walk the beat, you know, and they could do that on bicycles Or they could do it, uh, you know, another way is to to maybe look at an equestrian uh, group (laughs) so we could get some horses set up. I want to bring back the helicopter that we used to have for CSPD. I know how expensive it was, but I think we can work with Fort Carson. Um, and, you know, my involvement, I've been on the Military Affairs Committee most of the time I've been on city council. So I know the people at Fort Carson and Schriever and Peterson and the Air Force Academy. And I relate to the people, whether they're yeah. officers or enlisted. And uh, so it's public safety. The second big issue I think we've got to work on pretty quickly. And and it's a little related to public safety is our homeless population.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that.
1: Yeah, you know, a very important thing. I know Mayor Bach and his wife worked on that very hard. Uh, I do think there are segments of the homeless population. And I remember the first count that they did back in maybe 2015 or 2016 was right about 1,800 people that were identified as homeless. The last one that I've heard of said that we have 1,400 and so you would say, well, congratulations, Colorado Springs. You know, you're doing a great job. You're bringing that population down. I'm not convinced of that at all. Yeah. When I drive around the city and I go around, you know, and, and I look underneath bridges, we've got camps that are popping up all over the place. There, there are obviously the ones that we can help the most are families. Yeah, You know, families, for one reason or another, medical issues, divorces, whatever it might be. And it could be a single dads or single moms that are out there with one or more children. Those are the ones that we need to focus on and make sure we can provide support and help to them to get them out of that. Yeah. The second group are a group, primarily males, and and they have issues. And, and uh, you know, we've got Mount Carmel right close to this particular building. And I spend a lot of time with Mount Carmel uh, dealing with veterans um, and veterans. Uh, Uh, you know, that they they have either, and and I'm not quite sure what the difference between behavioral and mental health is, but I remember when I was on the school board of District 11 back in 2007 and 2008 working on what our big mental health issue was in the city was we didn't have enough providers. Nothing has changed. It has. We still don't have, you know, the, the psychologists, the psychiatrists, Uh, the social workers, uh, the mental health people we need. And people are suffering, and many of the homeless population are suffering from mental and behavioral health issues as well as substance abuse issues, whether it's alcohol or or different kinds of of drugs, uh, prescription or or illegal drugs. So that's the second group. I, I think Springs Rescue Mission is doing a really good job working with them. I think the Marion House is working with families pretty effectively, and, you know, they provide meals every day for everybody out there on Bijou. Uh, There is another group, and I'm hoping it's maybe 10 or 15 percent, that are just not good people, you you know? They like to steal. Um, They, you know, they like to be high because they like to be high. They like to live outdoors so that they don't have what they consider control over their lives, That group, I really think, uh, for the most part, needs to be moved out of the city somehow, one way or another, or needs to be locked up. Um, And I I know that the sheriff's department, you know, we've got maybe a capacity uh, in Colorado Springs of maybe 1,800. Currently, there are about 1,450 in there. And they feel like they deal with mental health issues all the time that they're not really equipped to deal with, you know, in, in the sheriff's jail. So... Uh, That homeless population, uh, we we have had this, we now have the second person that works sort of as what I call the uh, the Office of Primary Responsibility for Homeless. They do not work for the mayor. They, if I were mayor, they would work directly for me, not through some intermediary where they do now, which, you know, I think is uh, not through the, they may work for the chief of staff, but I think they may work uh, for uh, some of the other directors that we have. So, uh, that homeless outreach person needs to work for us and speaking of homeless outreach we've got hot team we yeah. actually have 2 of them that work for the CSPD you know there's about 6 you know police officers foreign police officers in each one we need 4 we don't we need more police into that we need to attract them into that so that they can work with the homeless population and we can actually bring people out of it and make them more self-sufficient and and I, and I think into a lifestyle that they deserve yeah the other thing is land use. You know, we, we're involved uh, in, in many ways. I, I mentioned, uh, you know, the park for uh, uh, Strawberry Fields earlier. You know, we have made a lot of, of, you know, as you look in our community and everything seems to be growing north and east. And as you go out on Woodman, you know, you, you, all you see are rooftops and, you know, all kinds of communities there. I think our growth has gotten a little bit ahead of us you know, in terms of what we're able to deal with, whether that's with public safety or roads and streets or or utilities. Uh, We need more managed growth going forward. You can't, I have friends that say, Tom, I moved here 20 years ago and this is not the city I moved into and it's not the city that I want. Uh, But you can't turn off uh, a place like this in terms of how attractive it is, whether it's for young people wanting to come here, whether it's for jobs, whether it's for people that just love the outdoors. Um, you know, those issues uh, with land use management have to be done very carefully. Uh, whether it's, uh, you know, and I've been on every finance and committee in my eight years, both in utilities and in the city, uh, because it's the only way you can learn about what's going on in the community with metro districts, uh, with zoning. Uh, we've been working three and a half years on retool uh, Chapter yeah. 7 zoning. Yeah. I wonder how somebody that, you know, hasn't been involved with the city very much who's maybe running for a city, you know, a a political office on city council or mayoral can pick up on those things, you know, right off the bat. There, There are just dozens of things that you learn. You know, by doing, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so it's public safety. It's it's the issue of what we need with homeless population and land use management with housing and development. Working with a HBA, yeah, uh, I am the chair of the regional building department. I have done that for four years, so I understand all the codes for electric and plumbing. Uh, even though my background is law, I've learned a lot. You know, from uh, people like uh, uh, Roger Lavelle. You, yeah. You know, with the RB, uh, the regional building department. And so.
0: Good. Well, I want to jump into a couple of other issues. I'm sure. going to start with what I think will be a quick one, simply because I've known you for a while and actually worked on this with you. Yeah. The only issue on the ballot in April is the TOPS extension. I assume you're supportive of that.
1: Absolutely. Okay. We okay. we worked on a committee for a whole year uh, last yeah. year in, in 2022 and it was on the mm-hmm. November ballot.
0: Yeah. The, I have one other question, though, about parks, and this is just something I'm kind of curious how you feel about this. Sure. Back before the big recession, parks was about 8.4% of the city's budget, yeah. general fund. Now it's 5.9%. Right. Total collections have gone up, so 5.9%, you know, it's not necessarily a direct correlation or whatever, but would you be supportive of trying to get parks back up closer to that 84 8.5% of the budget? Do you think it's doable?
1: Yes, and I'd be absolutely supportive of that. I was the treasurer for Trails and Open Spaces Coalition yep. when I was on the District 11 school board and and worked with Susan Davies on, on, on that uh, and, uh, you know, learned a lot about what we do. You know, at that time, I think we were more focused on trails and open space, and then we got into parks. Uh, we promised people 15 parks, and we haven't delivered on those. But I, I do want to mention that when I came on council eight years ago, the general budget was about $258 million in the general budget, that pot. Yeah. The 2023 budget is $420 million. Yeah. So if you take 5 or 6% of $420 million versus, you know— uh, True. Uh, the
0: it, actual hard dollars are probably higher. I,
1: but the percentage, I think, uh, you know, I think Mayor Bach, and during the 2008 to 2011 recession period, they had to make decisions that, you know, were closer to the heart, and those were public safety issues. Yeah, you know, those were taking care of fire and police and making sure people were were secure. And the ones that kind of have to drift it off were, you know, swings and climbing, you know, mechanisms. And you still go around the city today in the old tennis courts that are all beat up and unused because they're dilapidated. But to answer your question, I think there are things the mayor can do going forward with Parks and Recreation. We've got a terrific new leader, you know, in Parks and Recreation in Britt Haley. She's great. Uh, I was part of that selection process. And, uh, you know, she's a lawyer. Uh, so kind of an interesting person to talk to. But I, I think there are definite things we can do to put more money into parks and recreation and, and, and the culture, you know, because they own the the cemeteries and, and some of the other things in our community and our, um, uh, and our museum in town. Pioneer's Museum. Pioneer, thanks. Um, so I think there are three things we can do to put more funding into that. One is I, I really think that uh, we need to budget more. We currently have a 20% uh, reserve in our reserve account. When I came on council, it was 14%. Now, we can pat the mayor on the head for building it up from 14 to 20%, but I think we need that money now. Yeah. You know, you take 20% of $420 million budget, uh, that's a lot of money. And I, I would set aside an additional $2 million a year for the next four years for parks and recreation and taking care of what we need to do with that. I think the second thing that we need to do is we need to work grants harder with the federal and state governments and get those grants into this area because it's it's our medium and lower income people that, you know, need to get out of smaller homes and places where, you know, apartments where they're living and get into the outdoors and, and, and enjoy it. And especially for, you know, most yeah. of the year that they can do that. Um, I, I then think, uh, y- you know, the other thing where we can find some additional funding is private uh, public partnerships uh, to get more investment from different businesses and developers into our parks and recreation. But I would, to answer your question, I would be all over that issue of growing that account uh, as good quick as I could.
0: Great. The new water rule. That the city is talking about right now. Yeah. I, I thought it had been decided, so that was kind of my uh, missing that little detail. But you guys are in the process of discussing and voting on an or a rule that would require the city to have 128% of the water it needs for all the existing residents and businesses and any property that wants to annex into the city. Right. Tell me where you are on this issue. I'm just curious.
1: Well, where I am on this issue is, is I think, you know, there's this is not an exact science. Uh, I remember when I came on the Board of uh, Directors for Utilities when we were just opening up the Southern Delivery System. One of the things I've learned is we've got the pipeline from Pueblo up here, but we don't have the water, yeah. you know. So we've got a system, and but we, we don't have the water. But we have done terrific with our conservation efforts with getting people like me not to use Kentucky bluegrass, you know, that sucks up the water and use, you know, more natural uh, vegetation in our yards, uh, front and backyards. Uh, I think we've had a very successful program with that. We've got uh, the Bostrom, uh, Gary Bostrom was one of the members that I knew who has subsequently passed away that we named a reservoir after up Mm -hmm. by the airport. We have not you know, really completed that, and, and 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 I don't think can hold the water. Let's say we have a real wet season, we can't hold the water. I am reluctant at this point to support the, you know, even at this point, and I voted for it two, week, two weeks ago, the 128 percent. Yeah. It's going to come up at the 14 uh, February on Valentine's Day meeting. I think we need a timeout. Uh, I think we need to do an in-depth study uh and and do, and to a date certain in September uh we'll have four new members on city council in the next 70 days yeah um let's give them a chance to to you know hire a contractor let's look at some other opportunities but let's let's put a hold on this uh what uh, what I call water ordinance at this time when i was the uh, chair of the utilities we had the, two, the 2017 um, what we call the IRWP, uh, you know, the Integrated uh, Resource Water Plan. That plan indicated in 2017 we were in great shape and we had plenty of water. Yeah. We needed to have more conservation, and we needed people to conserve, you know, in their homes, not only for their, you know, their their exteriors but interiors. You know, to buy uh, different kinds of plumbing equipment like toilets, which were, you know, more water friendly, to use, you know, showers and bathtubs that were more water friendly, to reuse water in some cases. Uh, We've got a study for how we can reuse brown water. And I know a lot of people kind of blanch at thinking that they could do that. But I think there are ways to be smarter. I, I would like to put a hold on this situation. We're going to have another long discussion on the 14th on this yeah. because it, it, it has collided with the issue of annexations, you know. The, so, so the water ordinance, which, you know, and there's all kinds of stories, and I really don't want to get into them about developers getting involved with, uh, you know, I got mine, you don't have yours kind of situation. But um, I, I really think we could work together with the HBA uh, they are the ones that recommended the 128 uh, buffer and yeah. surplus. Um, I, I think, and I love the people that work in in the water for our utilities and their recommendation. Uh, both from Mr. Benjamin and now the acting is Mr. Deal, um, and and we are down to two finalists uh, for the utility CEO. So oh, you know we're working that issue uh, very hard. I think. Uh, Wayne Williams, who's the chair of utilities now, is hoping to have a decision in the uh, uh, in the February meeting. Oh, good. Uh, you, you know, the, I think it's 22nd twenty uh, second of February that we'll have a recommendation for a finalist. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, that, that water ordinance, I just want to take a time out. I, I think it would allow us to take a hard look at some annexations. You know, we've had discussions about uh, annexations that are flagpole because they're located next to a highway that the city owns versus uh, ones that are, con- you know, right next to our land, our, 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 yeah. our adjacent to our land. And I hope maybe we can get a majority of, of the board to look at that on the 14th. I, I don't know that we will. Yeah. If they pass what we passed on the 20 uh, on the no, it was actually in January, the last meeting we had in January, uh, then, then it's a done deal. That, yeah. or, that ordinance will be here. I, I think, it's not the right way to go at this stage.
0: I think I may know this, but if you're elected mayor, again, like you said, there's four new council members. The appetite for relooking, even if you guys pass it in two weeks, the appetite for relooking at that in a few months could be there with the new council members or whatever. If they wanted to bring it back up, maybe drop the percentage, make it a little less onerous yeah. or revamp it altogether, if you were mayor... Would you kind of be supportive of relooking at it again once you were mayor?
1: Absolutely, and and I I, I think you know since four of us are coming down the home stretch here, yeah, uh, and in misfortune unfortunately because of her health situation, but uh, so we'll have a new member in the third district where I live. Yeah. Uh, only two candidates for that running for that, so it's kind of interesting. And then we've got I think ten that are running for the three at-large positions. We haven't had three open at large positions for 20 years.
0: I didn't know haven't that had I that.
1: You know, it's always been one of us has been moving forward, you yeah. know, as an incumbent. They, they might not get reelected, but at least they're moving forward. And we haven't had three wide open positions. And now there's, I think, 10 that are vying for those open positions. I think if I were mayor, uh, I would sit down with that group. I've, I've got to know everybody that's currently on council. Uh, um, Yolanda Avila will be the senior member on council with six years in the seat as of uh, April. All the other four members will have two years in the seat. Nobody more than two years. Uh, and, and then four newcomers. And four brand new people. So a lot of fresh, I, I think, ideas. And and one of the beautiful things about, you know, we pass motions and we pass resolutions and that takes one vote. And then we pass ordinances and that takes two votes. Yeah. Uh, The beautiful thing about that is any council, once they bring five people want to bring up an ordinance or a resolution for reconsideration, they can do it. If this were to be put on the ballot, which there was some talk about, well, we may just get enough signatures to put this on the ballot. And I think a lot of people are very sensitive about water and it's it's kind of like well i got my water yeah. and and i don't you know i, I don't necessarily you know want Kyle you know who just moved here from <laughs> Dallas Texas or from California or you Kansas. know it, it, he did not have his water that's too bad for him you, you know yeah uh, and and that's just really worried to me because you know this one uh, annexation we need more housing and and whether that housing is affordable or not uh, we need more housing. I like affordable housing and I like all the plans that Steve Posey, you know, puts yeah. forward and the funding that he gets for affordable housing. But if you've got a couple and they're each making $40,000 a year, they can't afford to buy a single family house. Yeah. And where it used to be, you could rent a two bedroom apartment, you know, two bedroom, two, maybe one bath and two bedroom for Fourteen or $1,500 a month, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the younger population that's moving in, we're pricing out of the ability to live here.
0: Well, and that's kind of why I was a little, uh, I mean, the one concern on the water rule to me around annexation is typically in Colorado Springs, what I would think of as attainable housing mm-hmm. is usually comes in the outer developments, the, you know, the ones kind of on the edge of the community that are just recently moving into the community. Land prices are a little lower at that point, which means the home prices are a little bit lower. Right. And that makes some of that housing more attainable. If we're not going to be allowing annexations into the community, and I realize there's a threshold there that we right. need to look at. But if we're not going to be allowing annexations into the community, at least from my perspective, and again, you're much deeper into it than I am. I just think it makes attainable housing a little bit more difficult for you know again the young professionals you're, you're, that we yeah, want to move here.
1: You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I uh, when I retired in 2005, I bought my house in Old Colorado City. It is built in 1895, but I, I bought it for under three hundred thousand. Okay, wow. and that wasn't. In- you know 2005. Yeah. And uh, I just added an addition and did some work on it and you know to upgrade it and I spent $280,000 to upgrade it and build the addition. So yeah, it's it's gotten <laughs> to the point now where attainable and affordable housing uh is is and we talk about it all the time and there are different groups that are working this but the solutions are really hard to find. Exactly. Mayor Southers has had this 2000 affordable housing goal for the last several years. And we've made that, uh, but we've made it because we've been on the outskirts, you know, mostly east and north of Colorado Springs and and built housing that's a little bit smaller. Uh, I remember the whole concept of tiny homes. Yeah. Uh, that might be something that we want to revisit for people because, you know, you don't need 4,000 square feet, uh, you know, to live in, even for a family of four. Yeah. Uh, you can live in 2,000 square feet and for a family of two, maybe 1,000 square feet. Yeah. Um, but it's it's something that I think is essential is affordable housing and land use development. We I mentioned that we've been working on our rezoning, which we call retool, for over three and a half years. We've been working for over two years on our annexation policy, and we don't have it. So we don't have an annexation policy, and yet we're making decisions about annexation.
0: Interesting. I, I guess I wasn't fully. I didn't really connect that. So that's very interesting. Next issue. I just I'm just curious about. This past November, recreational marijuana was on the ballot and it failed. Yep. Were you for that or against that?
1: I was against recreational marijuana within the 200 square miles of of the city limits. Um, When I got here with the military, you know, we're all prisoners of our history. Uh, You know, and again, this was in 1976 when I was the area defense counsel. One joint of marijuana for a young yearman meant one year in jail. No substitute. One joint, one year. And a dishonorable discharge. Now, if it happens in the community, it's a letter of reprimand, an honorable discharge, and they kick the soldier, or airman out. No jail time. But it's changed. You yeah. know, everything has changed since then. I think marijuana is a, a drug that, in fact, is uh, you know one that leads to, to further problems in use. I think it attracts uh, people in our community uh, in a negative way, not a positive way. I'm sure there are positive uses for marijuana and CBD and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I know you can drive to Manitou, and they've got two stores in Manitou, or you can drive to Pueblo or Denver and get it. I think having, because I was on the school board for five and a half years, that having marijuana uh, in our facilities that currently are, and I think we started with almost 130 medical marijuana facilities. And, and I that, think
0: it's like 116 it's now decreased or something like that.
1: That, that market has decreased you know, after the pandemic, a lot. Yeah. And and if all of those medical facilities can theoretically sell uh, recreational marijuana, I worry about it getting to our young population. I worry about it getting to our population that does have mental and behavioral health issues. I worry about the impact that has on our military installations, even though they try and stay out of this. And if we were to get into a BRAC situation, a base realignment, which I lived through on active duty when I was on active duty... Uh, we want to make sure that Carson and Schriever and Peterson, you know, stay vibrant and strong. And and I think by having closer access to marijuana within the city limits, it's a mistake. And I was opposed to uh, to, to that to, um, that ballot issue.
0: Okay. Are there any other issues we haven't talked about, like the ones that were on your list, obviously the ones I asked about? Is there anything else in the community right now that you think is a critical issue that we haven't covered or something you see coming up over the horizon that maybe nobody's thought of or really isn't on anybody's radar right now?
1: You know, a couple of things. I I think we have we we have done a great job with our streets and roads and potholes. We have not done a great job with our uh, uh, sidewalks in our community. And uh, in my neighborhood, uh, I see people all the time in wheelchairs and walkers going into the street because the sidewalks are torn up and not taken care of. We need to put more resources and money into sidewalks. Uh, You know, we've got a plan where they'll share 50 percent of the cost with homeowners, but a lot of the homeowners don't have any additional funds to put into that concrete. So I I, I think that's one of the big issues. Uh, I I think another issue is, you know, we're building a new uh, senior center in our community, and I think that's that's great. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of our senior citizens in our community, in fact, do not, uh, you know, feel appreciated, and they don't have the kinds of opportunities. Uh, I live near the Westside Community Center. That was a, a big issue in terms of, uh, you know, who was going to run that. You know, was it going to be a, a religious organization? We finally kind of brought it back into the city so that the Parks and Rec Department run that. I think that's a successful program. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, we need to make sure that this community feels uh, like they're all engaged and they're all involved. Uh, I talked about public safety. Uh, We used to have a program called Neighborhood Watch, you know, and signs Mm -hmm. up, you still see it. But that program has really fallen into disuse. And, you know, we need to help each other, and we've got different, you know, media networks that you can talk about porch pirates and people that are doing certain things. But, you know, there's probably, uh, you know, it's making this a community that people want to stay in, they want to live in, and, and that we can attract them to in a way that uh, nobody else can. So those
0: nice. those are my thoughts. Good. Well, what's coming up on the campaign? Anything you want to share with folks, any events or well, what
1: I'd like to share, if, if I can share this, is I've been looking for <laughs> about a year for a campaign manager, and, and I just don't seem to be able to find one. Everybody is otherwise disposed, and so anybody out there that might be interested, it would be a short-lived two-month kind of a program. Uh, the ballots are going to go out on the 10th day of March, uh, which is a Friday. Yep. So, most of us probably won't get it until Saturday or, or Monday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm guessing about 300,000 registered voters, uh, y- you know, is what we're looking at. I'm guessing that maybe half of those will vote, you know, will participate. So, maybe 150,000 150, people voting. Yeah. Um, we have got in the next four weeks, I think, 10 or 12 forums, debates. And, and, and other issues throughout the community. I got two more today that, that yeah. popped up from the Realtors Association. So it's going to be a real busy sort of time period for us, but I think it gives us all a chance uh, to be up and, and talking about, y- you know, what our issues are. I will tell you, and I'll take a hit at the, uh, uh, at the um, uh, chamber, Uh, They've got an event coming up, and they have decided to seat all of us based on how much money we have raised, which I find very interesting. So if you have a wealthy person like our governor uh, that can, you know, self-fund their their program and they've got $200,000 in the bank, then they get to sit in the middle of the forum because they have raised the most money. I don't think that's the best way, you know, to seat people. You could do it alphabetically or you could pull the names out of a hat. Or you could do it any other way, but to do it based on funds that you raise, or how much you personally want to invest in your campaign, I think is a mistake.
0: Yeah, I'm not, uh, I've never heard of that.
1: Yeah, well, that's the plan for the the chambers uh, event that they're going to have in city in the the um, uh, city auditorium. Yep, that's another facility that I'm, I'm really in favor of where we're headed with that, so that we've got yeah. this long term lease with the city auditorium. We had a lot of events there, skaters and. You know, bell ringers and whatnot, but <laughs> but we allowed that building, which is over 100 years old, to just deteriorate, and and I think it's a it's a treasure that we need to find a way to support it and build it. Behind it, we should have the new transit center, and that I noticed this morning at the agenda prep meeting. It's going to be on the meeting in uh, uh, the second meeting in April in uh, February, uh, where we're going to talk about that new transit center that's going to move from Nevada. Yeah. behind where where the uh, uh, city auditorium building is so oh, i
0: think that'd be a good you location
1: know, lots of exciting things going on uh and uh you know i'm looking forward to the next four or five weeks the, the good thing is that that our you know our uh, campaign is really pretty condensed i mean people have announced maybe a year and a half ago but now we're getting down to the to the crunch time uh where you know signs are popping up and you know, people are, are going to be going to these forums and these different groups and making their, their, you know, their ideas known. So
0: Yeah, I just noticed actually today for the first time a candidate sign out there somewhere. And I know from the campaigns I've worked on in the past, the this is always that time frame where the people close to the candidate are like, why aren't you doing anything? Why aren't you out there? Why aren't you doing anything? And it's like, you know, we know from experience that right now, right, really right now is about the earliest when voters start to engage a little bit. I and mean, then once the ballots drop on, you know, that's the nice thing about having all male ballots is they drop a little earlier, yeah. and so people start to get engaged a little bit earlier. Exactly and so, right.
1: And, and I think there was a little fatigue from the November uh, election uh, and everything, all the drama that was going on with the November election and, you know, would the you know, Republicans take over the House in Washington or would they take over the Senate? Yeah. And, and then what was happening in Denver? Yeah. Uh, with all the issues in Denver and the mayor, I mean, the governor running for his second term. Uh, and, and I think people were a little fatigued when they got into, you know, Christmas and New Year's. Uh, and uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be fast and furious. And, and I'm excited about it. And, and, you know, this is probably the time in my life where I can really devote myself to this.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. My I really pleasure. appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. I always enjoy a chance to talk to you about the issues and everything. So thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast. This program is brought to you by Avant Strategies. Special thank you to producer Ted Robertson for help putting this program together. If you're interested in partnering with COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast, you can reach out to me at Kyle at AvantStrategiesLLC.com.